The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. We've got an interesting show tonight, Jim. It's it's a departure from what we normally do. Well, it's yeah, and it's out of my norm, so I'm not like I'm familiar with a lot of the movies that uh, Mr. Lobo covers. Uh, well, I can't even say a lot of them, some of them. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, so I have a feeling is... I have a feeling you're going to be more familiar with them than you think you are. Probably just don't recognize the titles right away. But when you start thinking back to your childhood and watching those creature feature films and stuff like that, you're going to remember the the movies that he's going to talk about. Well, and just just looking up some of the history with him, I mean, at one point he was he was featured on uh, what Scooby Doo, I guess, and yes, uh, Scooby Doo's yeah. Mysteries Incorporated. Um, yes. Yeah, he's been on a, a bunch of a bunch of different things. Um, yeah, I'm a little lost with the whole he challenged Chris Jericho to a thumb wrestling yeah, I'm match anxious to, at I'm the anxious peak to, of a scandal. I'm anxious to ask him about that, too. But um, he has been a TV host for a while. He he produces a program, and I think it's—I'm not sure. Again, uh, we're going to have to ask him. But it's called uh, Cinema uh, Insomniac Theater, part of Cinema Insomnia, um, which is his website. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. All right, let's quickly go to the phone lines before we have to take our break here. Let's bring in Lou from Boston. Lou, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Hey, you want a name of a bad, scary movie, like a fairly new one? Sure. One, what do you got? One word. Zombiever. Oh, oh wait. Oh, oh my yeah. God. You know the funny thing? My kids were on Netflix the other day, and they pulled that. They my One of my sons, of course, one of my sons, goes, Dad, what, what's this movie? And I wasn't looking. He goes, it's called Zombiever? And I just had to turn yeah. around slowly, I and I'm like, same thing. "My kids pulled it up, and you know, the teenagers they started watching. It. I caught bits and pieces of it. From what I saw of it, it was absolutely horrible." Did, did yeah. you? Did you? Well, work? especially you... especially the picture for it. I mean, that right there was not well, yeah. not a good picture yeah. for your kids so, to see. That's my con- that's my contribution for tonight. Did you got to watch? Zombie. It. It's actually so horrible. It's hysterical. Did All right, the... I'm I'm going to watch that. Did the kids end up watching it? Did they watch the whole thing? Uh, yeah, they thought it'd be scary, and 15 minutes into it, they were sitting there laughing. At yeah, stuff. yeah, that's, it's, a, I, I know, I'm familiar with the film, I haven't watched it yet, and I think it's, it's meant to be a little more tongue-in-cheek, but it is, it falls right into that category. Thanks so much. For, yeah, absolutely. F- thanks so All much right. for the suggestion, Lou, we appreciate it from Boston. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is a good one, and I've seen it on Netflix, too, and I've thought about watching it, haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. Um, yeah, the, because I'm, I'm scared if I hit play on it, somebody I don't know is going to stop <laughs> over or something, and this horrible movie called Zombiever is going to be on. Knowing my luck, it'll be a, you know, a bunch of people coming to my door to preach. <laughs> right, that's, that's the way it usually happens. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't preach your Bible to me. i got to go finish Zombiever. By the way, when we come back from our break, we're going to bring our guest, Mr. Lobo, in. We'll be talking bad movies all night. So if you're on hold to chat about this, stay on hold. We'll get you on. It's Beyond Reality Radio with Jason and JV. Tonight is Bad Movie Night. Don't go away. More coming up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Um, let's bring our ho- our guest in tonight, Mr. Lobo. Uh, Mr. Lobo is a horror host, an actor, a producer, a director, um, probably a lot more than that. Mr. Lobo, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. We're excited to have you on the program tonight. Uh, greetings, gentlemen. I am so happy to talk to you. My toilet has been backed up for two weeks. <laughs> So you must want to talk to Jason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on Beyond uh, uh, Beyond Reality. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time outside of reality, so, so it's perfect. Uh, and watching a lot of very misunderstood movies, and and uh, and I'm and I'm in Plan Nine from Outer Space now, the remake of Plan Nine. Yeah, which and, is in Walmart. And we're going to get to that. We're going right to get to that very, very soon. But I want to get a little bit more about you first. Tell us how you developed sure. an interest in these, and and we'll we'll use the word misunderstood. And I'm the same way, so I'm right in the same camp here. Uh, how did you develop an interest in these misunderstood movies? Oh well, when I w- when I was a kid growing up in Northern California, uh, I you know I my dad would would watch Creature Features, which was the local hosted a uh, horror movie and uh, they'd show all the hammer films and the brain that wouldn't die and um, uh, horror party beach and, and uh, you know, night of the living dead and all those movies. And I was completely terrified well, we of, had that, of it all. And I, <laughs> we had that too. It was a creature double feature though. They always played two of them back oh, to back. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that is that, you know, we did a whole magazine about horror hosts and uh, 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 the, the, the movie packages were sold across the country. So even though we may have not had the same show, um, the, the Creature Feature package was um, picked up by a lot of um, local independent uh, stations. And uh, we all watched those same 56 movies in the, in the 70s and 80s. Uh, in, in, in television syndication. Um, but with our host, uh, in, this would be in the, in the, in the 1970s for me, uh, you know, I, I was totally terrified. I wasn't really, I, I couldn't, you know, I, I was just hiding under the coffee table in my Spider-Man pajamas. And, and it was really just to be close to my dad, really, that I, the real reason I was ever, ever even near the television, because that stuff was, drove me out of my mind. Uh, and uh, Bob Wilkins was the host. He was a cool guy. He always had jokes about the movies, and he would kind of uh, lift the curtain a little bit. You know, he'd, he'd let you know about the string that was holding up the, you know, the flying saucer, or, uh, you know, he'd poke fun at it. And I think uh, that little bit of levity um, made those movies tolerable for me uh, as a youngster. And, uh, you know, and then when Star Wars came out, I just wanted everything fantastic and horrible in the world and then like every other kid nothing special there but then uh you know as an adult i worked at a television station and they had a bunch of moldy um uh, movies that they uh, didn't care about and and uh we began a format of a television program called cinema insomnia this was late nights on abc affiliate in sacramento california and um I kind of Bob Wilkins, my uh, mentor from Creature Features. Uh, I mean, he ended up being my mentor. We, 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 uh, he ended up helping me as a consultant develop my own show. And uh, we, we went into syndication and we've been doing it for 15 years now. And, you know, we've got people who kind of grown up on the show or watched the show for years and horror movie fans become horror movie directors. And then I get cast in movies and, and and here we are. The story is very similar to 
what I went through, minus all the TV stuff, because I haven't done that. Jason's done TV, but in a different vein. But um, it was this, it was the same thing. You start seeing these films as a kid, and either you love them or you don't. And those who love them tend to love them all their lives. And then they become more of a nostalgia tool. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think for some there is a nostalgia. And I think, which is kind of sad, because I think people forget the thrill of those movies, you know, they, they want them to be safe and they were never safe, you know? Um, but I think that, you know, we, we, uh, we, we look at those films as a coming of age and, and, and definitely, uh, I think that, you know, everyone thinks that the best movies ever made were made when they were eight years old and people turn eight years old every day. That's true. Um, so as you started to, uh, to, to take on a profession that re- revolved around these misunderstood films um did you find something that that stood out to you uh as a favorite category or a favorite actor or and i i don't want to touch the ed woods topic yet maybe and maybe that's the answer but uh anything that really really drew you in uh you know there's there are so many uh things you know but i i do i did there are certain movies that 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 i feel that i can watch a million times and never get tired of the brain that wouldn't die is one of those ones that i just keep coming back to and i actually have an oil painting of uh the headless uh woman uh jan in the pan as she's called i have to uh, i have to i have to interrupt you just for a second on that because jason and i were at at dragon con in atlanta labor Uh day weekend and we were sitting at his table and this guy rolled up with this this little table on wheels turned it around and it was the head from that's right remember that and that was their costume and it was brilliant i took pictures it was brilliant and uh, i i gave it the best costume and i don't know if you've ever been to dragon con mr lobo but it is full of good costumes yeah and it was fabulous so so that 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 reminded me of that and i know exactly what you're talking about well it, you know and it's one of those things where it's such a cheap movie and it's such a a, a a seedy movie and i think that with that movie and there's a few other things like hardware wars and some of these really cheap ones it, that you feel like you could make it and i think that implied participation really feeds creativity where you think like you know if i had a table with a hole in it you know like your guy at dragon con you know there's this implied participation where i think that's why practical effects are are, are resonate so much with with our generation because there's always that feeling of you know if i had enough uh, latex and and scotch tape i could make that you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the one thing, I, like, I loved the creature double feature setup. And don't get me wrong, the the Godzilla versus King Kong and and all that stuff was great. But I honestly, I loved when those weren't on, and you'd you'd get some of the the other ones, yeah, the Blob or uh, what was it, the Skull. And there were there were so many that would that would come on that were really they were they were good because they were it was something different. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the Blob is a great uh, movie. We do a we do an event called Blob Fest every year here in Pennsylvania, where we run out of the Colonial Theater to escape the Blob. <laughs> uh, Three hundred people get up and run out the theater, imitating the scene in the film. That's and awesome. the, you know, the diner is still uh, the the diner is still uh, there. Well, the foundation of the diner, of course, the Blob ate the original diner, but the but the actual it's still a diner today. Uh, in uh, in Downingtown and in Phoenixville, the the professor's house is still there and the high school is still there, 
and the whole town gets into it. And, and I think that uh, with The Blob and Night of the Living Dead, you know, these were movies made in small towns by a, by a very intense group of people, and and it becomes part of their history, their local history. And and there's this kind of like, like mom's home cooking, you know. It's like a movie, you know. The whole town gets together. It's like a Judy Garland movie where, oh, my uncle's got a trunk full of old clothes, and you know, my my dad's got a barn. Let's make a movie. And I and I think people can kind of pick up on that energy in a movie like that. And you know, there was a day, and it wasn't that long ago, uh, where horror hosts were common on every local, te- well, not every, but many of our local television stations. Every major community had their own horror host, and um, whether it was teenagers or whomever it was, they were pretty well revered. And then they just kind of, for the most part, evaporated. You know, with the exception of a few like yourself. What happened? There were a lot of changes, and many there are, there's definitely waves. I think the, the the golden age, not not to not not. I'll try to make this as 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 concise as possible. But there was the golden age with Zachary and Vampira, and they showed the shock theater package. And basically, you know, with uh, Dracula and Frankenstein uh, uh, were re released in the theaters, and it caused an explosion of of monster kids who 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 just couldn't get enough monster movies. And television stations tried to feed that by showing these movies and, and, and trying to build an audience. And a lot of these movies were turkeys, um, and, and that's why the horror host was implemented, because you could set your advertising rates um, by, the, by how good your host was versus how good the movies were. And it's like a disc jockey, you know? Um, if you got a good disc jockey, people will listen no matter what the music no matter what music they're playing, yeah. you know, and and um, so so uh, the, the 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 horror host had a real function in those days, I and mean, they would get the, the sportscaster and put a dr- bad Dracula cape on them, or they get the, you know, somebody yeah. in local theater right. doing Shakespeare, you know, whatever, make them a mad scientist. And because, you know, when the film packages were sent out, they had instructions on, hey, this is a one way you might want to present your movie. And and that was already kind of in people's minds because of radio and comic books. There's always this kind of narrator or spectral narrator or presenter that's really common, especially in American horror and horror anthologies, even Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock, this idea of this person who kind of takes you to this other place. And it was it was a format that people were really comfortable with. So then into the 1970s and 80s, when the when the VHS uh, VHS VH excuse me, there's UHF and VHF uh, for those of you who still have their rabbit ears. When the VHF stations got too big, they dropped all the horror hosts, and then in the 70s and 80s, all the UHFs picked them up. And so a lot of those the the the, the horror movies were that went into the product that went out in the seventies weren't the, weren't the really, weren't the classics that the, that the um, network affiliates were getting. So you didn't have as many of the universal films. That's really when you started to get the so bad, they're good movies in syndication, like Horror of party beach and plan nine from outer space. And so the product got a little worse (laughs) and maybe the host got a little better. I don't know. And that's maybe the silver age. I don't know if you want me to keep keep going, Ilya, to get us up to where we are today. Let's just hold it, because I do want to bring... We've got a lot of phone callers, and I hate to have them on hold too long. So let's bring in uh, Len from Pennsylvania, who wants to join the conversation. Len, you're on Beyond Reality Radio. Welcome to the program. Yes, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Terrific. You look great. Thanks for calling. 
Great. Uh, I have one for you, Mr. Lobo. It's called uh, Island of Terror. Island of Terror? Yes, 1966. 66? Any stars in that? Believe it or not, Peter Cushing was in it. Oh, wow. Really? What was the the premise behind it? premise is it's like this the space alien thing it's got the body of a turtle and like the head or the it had like a snake head or tentacle sticking out of it oh that sounds beautiful and it would wrap wow. around your leg and suck the bones out of your body it fed on your bones apparently so it just wow. they found then that, they'd reproduce but the funny really. part was when they reproduced they'd like crack open and i swear to you it looked like campbell's chicken noodle soup was coming out of it <laughs> I got that one. Wow, that down. sounds like a terror. quality. Yeah, I would have That sounds like a quality motion picture. We'll have to. We'll have to track that one down. <laughs> right. Thanks for sharing that, Len. We appreciate Thanks, it, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That's, and that's what we're talking about. I love, right there. I, you know, that's the that's the amazing thing is that I've been I've been I've been hosting these movies for fifteen years, and and every day someone mentions a movie that I've never heard of. And that's the exciting thing. So many movies are made, and there's so much product, especially horror movies, because horror movies almost never never lose money. There's so many of them from so many different eras, and uh, it's just impossible to, to to see them all. So that's exciting. Island of Terror. Yeah. Go check that out. Yeah. So we have we have a bunch of other calls, but let's finish the the horror host story. Bring us up to date on that. Yeah, uh, there is a lot more to tell, but basically in the mid-80s, there was another crash because of the fragmentation of uh, home video and um, and cable. And uh, the only one who's really able to survive that really well anyway, or not the only one, but uh, the most noted, of course, is Elvira. She went into syndication, and a lot of these uh, small stations that couldn't afford to get those films anymore or those film packages anymore would syndicate her show instead. And so you had, you had a national, our first national horror host, which was Elvira uh, in the eighties who ended up making movies and all sorts of things. And then I think that really, to be honest, uh, mystery science theater kind of picked up that torch for a lot uh, for the generation after Elvira. Whereas um, you know, Comedy Central and uh, was a was a was a new channel, and here was uh, uh, these films being repurposed yet again for a young audience. And I think that um, you know the the hosting framework is still there. So I think that um, you know Mystery Science Theater carried that through the '90s. Uh, and um, and again, I, I think today there are a lot of people. Who, who would call themselves horror hosts and people who, who, who do the job, and not, not, not to diminish anyone who does the job of hosting a horror movie, but there's a million YouTube channels, I'm sure, with people hosting horror movies. And there are a million people in streaming uh, video who are hosting horror movies. But it's not, it's not, it's not the trend that it once was. The, the, the biggest saturated horror host right now, I would say, would be Sven Gulli. Who is, is on Me TV in syndication right. and sub channel? Yeah, I've seen his and, show. Um, so he's getting a lot. He is he, which is exciting because you know we did a documentary called American Scary, and uh, Sven Gulli, um was the Chicago guy, and he was the best kept secret because just people who lived in Chicago got to see what he did, and now everybody else gets to see it. And uh, you know, thirty years strong. Um, you know, he's, I'm, I'm very happy that, that he's 
finally, uh, you know, uh, uh, the people get the, the whole rest of the country gets to enjoy to see what a real local horror host does because um, we haven't really had many of those. I've, 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 you know, I started as the local guy, but most of my run has also been in television syndication. And, and now in streaming, um, I was on a horror channel um, two years ago called Zombie TV, and now I'm on another streaming channel called OSI 74. So, um, you know, it, it, you know um, that, that's where I'm finding my new audiences in streaming, even though I'm still in syndication. I'm on a, a AMG TV affiliates across the country, and small uh, local broadcast stations are still running my old episodes. Um, you know, uh, broadcast is not what it once was. And, um, you know, those audience, those, a lot of those late nights are, are infomercials now, if anything. And yeah. uh, the, so that's another thing, too, is that the overnight programming has been crushed on a lot of these stations um, just because uh, broadcast, uh, it, 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 you know, they got to do what they have to do to keep the lights on. And that, 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 uh, that airtime is too valuable to uh you know give two hours to a terrible movie all right let's see if we can get uh eric's from kansas's call in here we have a couple minutes before break eric welcome to beyond reality radio up oh, sounds like we lost Hello, eric. eric i think right. eric's gone so let's go to douglas in kansas city he, he killed him, <laughs> douglas you're on beyond reality radio hey love you guys love your show oh thanks man and welcome to the show hi uh, you guys uh I, I do deliveries at night so you guys make my night go by a lot quicker well thank you uh, I have a terrific theme movie for you guys. And it's a pretty new one, so it might be kind of hard for you to see, but you're familiar with the Prince of Gore Todd Sheet? Say it again? Are you familiar, uh, familiar with the Prince of Gore Todd Sheets? Oh, oh, yeah, uh, Todd Sheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Todd, Todd's a good friend of mine. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, he's got a new movie coming out that he just uh, got finished called Dreaming Purple Neon. And. I collect a lot of messed up movies, and this movie is so messed up, it probably shouldn't have been made in today's, in today's <laughs> time, that's the way everybody's so overly sensitive. I love this movie. I have lots of love for it. They must have used 300 gallons of buckets of blood in this thing. Oh, jeez. incredible. Jeez. <laughs> and, and the micro-budget he did it on, man, this guy is just a genius. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I've seen a bunch of his stuff. He does good work for what he works with, for sure. Douglas, thanks for the call. We're going to have to go to break here. Um, before we, we got about 10 seconds awesome. here, uh, Mr. Lobo, have, have you heard of Todd Sheets? Seen any yeah, of his work? Todd Sheets, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell. Uh, he, he throw a couple titles at me. Yeah, and I don't have any at the tip of my fingers. He's a, he's a, he's a, an, <laughs> okay. uh, he's an underground filmmaker that's currently making stuff. Um, and he shows up at a lot of the horror <laughs> film, uh, conventions and film festivals. So I think Elvira's more popular now than she was back in whenever, the 80s, whenever she was, uh, syndicated. She definitely had a resurgence, and then, of course, you know, I think that you know she's got multi generations of fans. You know, uh, 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 you know, uh, people who raise their kids on her work, and uh, you know, um, what do you think? Because I've worked with Cassandra mm -hmm. a couple of times. I got to do a few live shows with her. We hosted uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, and Dead Alive. And uh, we did a, a panel at WonderCon together. Um, she's she's given me a lot of advice and uh, helped me out early in my career. She did an interview on on one of my uh, very earliest uh, syndicated shows, and um, you know she didn't need to do that. So right. uh, you know, yeah, she's a great lady. But what, say, well, I was going to say this may be an unfair question, but what do you think of the controversy mm -hmm. uh, between well between her and Vampira? 
Um, and I guess there was even a lawsuit involved at one point. There was. It was. It was. She. Uh, a vampire never showed up, so it was kind of thrown out. Oh. Um, so it was. It was. A, it was a, a unsuccessful uh, lawsuit on the part of uh, Mila Nurmi, who 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 played the part of Vampira in Plan Nine from Outer Space and on her horror host show, um, which was Shock Theater, I believe. Um, but uh, Vampira, or actually, was the Vampira show. I think is technically what her show was called. And, um, you know, she uh, was the uh, KTLA, I believe, was the station. She was the local horror hostess. But to be honest, she was copying. uh, She created her look based on uh, the Dragon Lady and Terry and the Pirates comics uh, with a mixed in with Charles Adams. um, Would be Morticia, Mrs. Adams from the comic strip version of the Adams family. Um, and she was doing a voice of, um, uh, Sunset Boulevard, you know, um, she was imitating, um, you know, uh, I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille, you know, um, <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, vampires thing was not very original. The dragon lady, um, archetype is a strong ar- archetype through comic books and, 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 uh, pulp fiction forever. Um, but Vampira was the first horror host and, um, KTLA did want to revive the Vampira show. And there was a reverse engineering there to where when they realized they didn't really want to work with Vampira or with Mela Nermi, they decided that they would, there was a conscious effort to try to reverse engineer the success of the original Vampira show. So they uh, they auditioned for an actress to be the horror hostess. They threw a bunch of names in, in a hat that sounded like Vampira, and Elvira was the one they pulled out. Hmm, um, the, 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 the Cassandra Peterson though wanted to do it as a redhead, and they demanded that she had to have black hair for the part. Hmm. And uh, so there was there was a bit of on the station on the TV station. Uh, from my understanding of the story, I was not there. Um, uh, uh, there was some, uh, there was, uh, I don't know if they had a disagreement with Mayla Nermi or they decided they didn't want to work with her. Um, she's famously difficult to work with. Um, uh, that's why she doesn't talk in plan nine from outer space. Right. She does the part mute because she, she hated Ed Wood dialogue. So, you know, uh, they might've decided that it was going to be, they were going to be playing traffic cop trying to work with her and they decided to just do something that was enough different to where they wouldn't get sued. Um, and she caught wind of that, didn't like it. And rather than attacking the TV station, she direct, attacked Elvira specifically, and I, Cassandra specifically. And I think that was the wrong thing because I think Cassandra tried her hardest to differentiate herself by being a valley girl instead right. of talking like a vampire. Right. Uh, you know, by adding the the, the, the uh, heavy metal bracelet, you know, she she in every turn she tried to make that character her own and steer it away from uh, the cliche. Right. So um, really, Cassandra was more on her side uh, than anyone else involved. But um, and maybe she understood that, which is maybe why she never showed up uh, for her court date. But yeah. anyhow, that's the that's that's the big controversy between uh, Vampira and 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 Elvira. I love them both. Um, I think, like I said, I think it's, 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 it's our heritage, that archetype of the dragon lady. It, it, you know, you guys are fans of movies and comic books. You know, that, that is just, 
that's just part of our um, part of the fabric of our uh, the, uncon- the collective unconscious. Right. That's a great segue to get into talking about Plan 9 and Plan 9 from Outer Space. But before we do that, I'm not going to take advantage of that segue. I'm going to bring Eric in. Um, Eric is calling back. We lost him the first time. Eric, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. A lot of noise there. Yeah, it happens. It's, I'm cruising down the highway. Man. Ah, okay. <laughs> That's a, you guys had mentioned scary spider movies, and one that popped back into my head from my childhood was arachnophobia. Oh, arachnophobia, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. It scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. John, I never wanted to go in my basement ever again. What we John Goodman was hilarious as the exterminator. John Goodman was hilarious as the exterminator. And what's funny is, is I remember being terrified of that movie. Um, I was a young adult when that came out, but but uh, you know, it, when you go back at it and watch it, it's a hilarious movie. It's a very very funny movie with Jeff Daniels and John Goodman, and it's it's a comedy, but. It's got, it delivers. If you don't like spiders, it delivers. <laughs> well, absolutely. And that, and that movie single-handedly made it so I checked my shoes every time before I put them on. I, I'm serious. <laughs> Isn't it funny when a movie can do that? Yeah. It, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Eric, thanks so much for sharing that one with thanks. us. And let's take one more call before we change the topic here. This is uh, Nina, a good friend of the show. Nina, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How's it going? Great. Good, good. Welcome to the show. Oh, uh, thanks. Okay, I got one for you. Uh, it's somewhat uh, recent, actually. It was made in 2010, and it's called Rubber. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rubber. You okay. guys know it? I have okay, seen it, Okay, very yeah. cool. All I, right. do, I, I do not. What, what's the premise? Oh, I'm sorry, what? What's the it's premise? A tire. It's, it's a tire. Yeah, it's just a tire. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in the beginning of the film, um, there's really no, not much in the way of, like, a beginning or rather an end. It just sort of, like, in the beginning, sort of, like, just wakes up and starts, like, getting itself up. It's, it's just a regular car tire or something. And um, it starts moving, you know, rolling down the, you know, desert road and everything. And when it sees, like, a victim, like, it doesn't like or something, it'll use its, like, telepathy mind powers, and it'll just kind of, like, stop where it's at, start to kind of shake, and <laughs> then right. the enemy will explode. <laughs> what the? Yeah, oh, my great. God. I got to see that one. That's, like... Wow. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. No, I've got that one on the list. I'm going to check that one out. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Cult, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a cult favorite. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for bringing that to. There's him. one called Deathbed. There's one called Deathbed. The bed that eats, and I haven't seen that one yet. That's another <laughs> one that people keep mentioning. <laughs> so let's let's turn the topic to uh, Plan Whoa. Nine from Outer Space, which yeah. um, obviously was Ed Wood's uh, uh, sw- not not a swan song, but certainly what he's most remembered for. And uh, and then it will, yeah, and and I mean that's a film that uh, for so many reasons has been named the worst movie of all time, but that almost makes it the best movie of all time in my mind. What are your thoughts on Plan? nine from outer space i completely agree you know i, I think that it's it, it you know the, the worst movies of all time are meredith baxter bernie disease of the week movies or some romantic comedy with ashton kutcher from five years ago that nobody remembers the name <laughs> that's of. that's right i agree and movies with space movies with spaceships and vampires and zombies uh are good movies as far as i'm concerned but uh the thing that that Plan Nine has is that when you watch it, it always feels like it's three in the morning, That's and I right. like that feeling. <laughs> it's true. Um, but I, you know, the other thing about it is that you know what Ed Wood did is not filmmaking. Ed Wood um, did a sort of alchemy. It's sort of a magic. It's like it's like it, let, let's say it takes five apples to make a movie. 
Ed Wood had maybe two and a half apples at the most, maybe three. You know, so so he didn't really have enough to really make a movie, but somehow he made a movie anyway. And I think that's the magic of that kind of a movie. He had really no business even finishing that film, and somehow it was completed. And somehow it seems to make sense, even though when you try to put it together with your brain, front to back, it really doesn't. And and that's that's that to me is a miracle. That's a that that is something that uh, is a, only a true artist could do. And one of the best parts of parts about Plan 9 from Outer Space is Bella Lugosi's role. And it, explain for the folks who haven't seen the movie what's so unique about that. Um, well, Bella Lugosi was dead when that movie was made. <laughs> That's exactly and right. That, that, that makes it extremely unique. Um, they had, they had made, they, uh, Ed Wood had scripted a movie called The Ghoul Goes West, and he filmed a few little scenes with Bela. You know, and people who make movies in their backyard think that, oh, well, I could do that, and that's no big deal. Well, he paid the can, you know, he paid for the film, and he paid for Bela, and, you know, I mean, it may have cost him $900 or something to make that little bit of film with Bela Lugosi that is used um, in Plan 9 from Outer Space, um, it badly edited into Plan 9 from Outer Space to make him seem like he's in the movie. And, of course, it, the other scenes are played by um, their, uh, 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 depending on the story, a chiropractor, uh, um, you know, it, with a bad cape over his face. Right. Um, so, you know... Uh, yeah, so that that that's an interesting bit of that's a true exploitation movie when you're going to use you know whatever three minutes of footage of a dead man and put it in your movie so that you can have a star in your movie. And you use it about three times. You use every scene a couple times anyway <laughs> to get the most value out of it. Well, and it, and it makes you. My, it, I was going to say my favorite bit is when he get, when he supposedly like, off stage kills himself. He walks <laughs> off stage and you hear the car screech. But you still see his shadow being cast into yeah. the scene. Exactly. So what? What is it that? See, a lot of these older movies, uh, they seem to to live forever. And lately, you've been getting some of the older movies as remakes. Like, talk about Old Mega Man, uh, one of my favorite all time old movies. Um, and it was sort of remade with Will Smith trying to do the I Am Legend, which really didn't. I, I don't think there was any really good parts about that movie but omega man really puts you in that frame of mind where you, know, you were terrified you were watching the movie and you were terrified um what is it well, that uh, makes those know, older movies so much better and so much longer living than the and, I, and i you know and i would have to say that last man on earth you know omega man is remaking last man on earth with vincent, vincent price, price right you know so so, you know, it, you know, at a certain point, you know, um, we have to keep telling these stories to keep them relevant, um, you know, but it always draws attention back to the originals. And, um, you know, every time, you know, when Will Smith's terrible movie came out, you know, uh, Omega Man got another bump up and so did uh, Last Man on Earth got another bump up because people went back and watched those movies and those stories remained relevant. So even though, even when a remake is bad, I think it's good overall because, um, you know, time goes by, you know, and even though for us, we remember seeing those movies when we were kids, there's a whole group of people out there who don't know that movie, wouldn't go look for that movie, don't care about that movie. And because there's something current happening with it, suddenly their mind is opened up to it. And, and um, there, there's a connection to the past 
and they will they will watch uh, the original version or even if just to compare you know well, and i've done that with my sons where omega man uh, <clears throat> i walked in the living room one day and they were watching i am legend and i told them about well omega man and the omega man was uh, the one i saw when i was a kid and this is a uh, sort of uh, you know a spinoff of that and <clears throat> we ended up getting omega man and they watched it and it was it was a great feeling cuz my at the end of it my sons are like dad it, the movie didn't have really that good of effects, but I think it was better than I Am Legend, and that was that was a good feeling because that's the one I that's because yeah. that was awesome back then. Absolutely, no, that's a great movie. You got the vampires with the white afros and yeah, it's, awesome. were it's a great spooky. movie. Oh, those are so spooky. So, but you know, I think uh, like I said, there is some there is some value to it, and if you want to be a total stickler, none of them are remakes because it's literary. You know, uh, Planet of the Apes is never a remake because it's, it, it was a book. And Frankenstein's never a remake because it's also a book. You know, they're adaptions. That are, so, that, that, you know, if you want to just be a total egghead about it, you know, those, those aren't remakes. So talking about Ed Wood overall, I know a lot of people have seen the, the Johnny Depp, uh, Tim Burton movie, Ed Wood, which, um, you know, it's kind of kind of accurate, but uh, obviously a lot of um, creative license in the storytelling there. Um, you know, he's very inaccurate. Yeah. He's, he, it's entertaining. Very inaccurate. It's like a Back in the Future movie. It's a great comedy with historic characters. But I think the spirit is right. I think that, that the feeling is right. I right. think that they were the misfit of Hollywood and they were doing something ridiculous. I think all of that is true. Um, but but the events are definitely not what happened. Well, one of the one of the people that was in Ed Wood's uh, circle of uh, buddies and ultimately actors is a gentleman named Chriswell, who you have a particular connection to. But before we talk about that connection, tell us who Chriswell was. Chriswell was a psychic, and uh, he was wrong perhaps maybe 93% of the time. <laughs> uh, but he was... He was always a guest on The Tonight Show. Uh, he was in 300 newspapers. He had a radio program. He did a 15-minute uh, TV show called Criswell Predicts that came on after the news, which is duplicated in the opening shot of the original movie, Plan 9, uh, his, his, his TV show where he would make erroneous predictions about the future. And he was kind of a flim-flam man. He sold uh, vitamins and caskets and... You know, he, he was a very colorful, interesting guy who was part of sort of, a, um, uh, he was one of the weirdos of Hollywood. Um, and I was always very fascinated by him. And uh, it was a pleasure to play a version of him. I feel like my version of Criswell is like Chevy Chase's version of Gerald Ford <laughs> in this movie. And the movie, of course, you're talking about is, it's called Plan 9. It's not called Plan 9 from Outer Space, right? It's just Plan 9? No, that's yeah. yeah. They dropped the from outer space. It's just Plan Nine. And is is it a is it a complete remake? Is it a shot for shot remake approach, or what's the film? What no, angle did you take? <laughs> no, this is not a Gus Van Zant uh, remake like Psycho, where it's the same movie again only in color. No, it's not that at all. Um, this is a love letter to B movies and misunderstood movies in general. The storyline is the same, although to be honest, technically this isn't a remake either because Conrad Brooks, who plays Jamie the cop from the original Plan 9, is in it playing the same character as an old man? <laughs> Conrad, so technically, Conrad, is, the, yeah, Conrad is a good friend of mine, actually. Yeah, he's a great guy. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a colorful character and a little bit of a flim flam man uh, as well. I've got a, can I tell? And, I have to tell you a story about Conrad briefly here because I, th- I think it's endearing. I, I went to visit him at his home in West Virginia. And Conrad, if you're listening, forgive me for telling this story, but I have to. And um, we sat down in his uh, basically in his bedroom. Uh, it's the, basically the only room you could sit in that didn't that, that had chairs. So we're sitting there, and he's telling stories about his life and his work with Ed Wood. And he starts going through these. He's got stacks of VHSs and DVDs all around the room. And he starts picking them up and starts looking. He goes, oh, have you ever seen this one? I'm like, no. He said, oh, here, you need this one. He starts handing me all these DVDs. By the end of the, the discussion, a couple hours later, I've got probably 200 VHSs and DVDs in a box. And I get, <laughs> and I get ready to walk out the door. And as I'm going, he says, oh, um, he said, by the way, it's it's $10 for each DVD, 15 for each VHS. Do, how many do you have there? I'm like, oh. and I didn't know what to say. I said, <laughs> I said, Conrad, I only have $100 on me. He said, send me a check for the rest. I'm like, I just got bamboozled. I just got bamboozled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good old Conrad. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's Conrad, all right. That's Conrad, I, you know, I love the guy, too, but that's Conrad all over the place. Uh, we, uh, A couple of friends of mine did a film festival and invited Conrad as a guest, and he just pretty much moved in. He wouldn't. They had to pretend to go on vacation to get rid of him. <laughs> Um, we have we he was eating and drinking them out of house and home. Yeah, we've got about three minutes before we have to go to break, and I want to go back to the to Plan Nine and talking about that film a little bit more. And I because I kind of interrupted your 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 uh, description. No problem. I I think I think that, oh, as far as the movie goes, yes. I mean, it, basically, it's a love letter to those kinds of movies, and um, it's a furthering. You know, we we don't unmake the first one, so the the events of the first movie. It, it could technically still happen. So we don't, we don't really unmake it. So we don't really, I, I think it's actually hard to really call this a remake. I definitely think it's a love letter to the original film and it's an exploitation horror film in its own right. You know, I mean, uh, Johnny had asked, uh, the director, Johnny Johnson asked me, uh, for some advice on it since I'm sort of a Plan 9 fanatic. And I said, you know, Ed Wood liked movies and you like movies. You know, make a movie that you would dig into your pocket and pay 15 bucks to see, you know. Um, Because if you try to make his movie, you're never going to, you're going to drive yourself insane because Ed's not here anymore to make his movie. you got to make your movie. And, um, you know, it's not, it, it, it's, I don't think anyone, even not even Criswell could have predicted how this thing would have turned out. <laughs> and my version of Criswell in this movie, I mean, I'm jumping on top of cars and killing zombies. I'm not a narrator really in this movie, like the original Criswell. So it's, it's definitely, uh, very different and it, it definitely acknowledges and refers to a lot of things that happened in the original movie. So it's definitely a companion piece. I would I wouldn't say that um, I wouldn't say it, it's definitely no no replacement for Plan Nine because our movie has intentionally funny moments, and I think that most of the humor you know Plan Nine is sort of called a, a science fiction comedy, but I think all of the humor in most of the humor in Plan Nine is unintentional. unintentional. Yeah. Now, and, nothing- and this, this film is not. We don't do anything bad. It's not like we're not trying to make a bad movie. We're just it, it, it does have funny moments, though, because I think humor has become part of the mythos of Planet. And one of the characters that was very well known from the Ed Wood films is Tor Johnson. Did you have a Tor Johnson character in Plan 9? Yes, we have an Inspector Clay and uh, JP, who plays uh, um, uh, Inspector Clay. 
and also becomes the zombie of the Walking Dead uh, character that Tor Johnson plays. I think he's almost a double for him. I, I you know, um, it's not as big of a role as the in the original film, but it's it's definitely um, we definitely have that character. In, right. in Plan 9. And make sure you give us a call uh, with your recommendations on your B movies, your bad movies, your C movies for crap movies, whatever. <laughs> but uh, JV and I want to put a list together and really just go through these. And I think uh, we well, we got to somehow take down who, who's calling him in because the worst one, I think, should get like an autographed Ghost Hunters t-shirt from us. I like Zach Gibbons, uh, our, in, that's his name in chat, uh, recommendation. He said, JV needs to make a movie called The Thumb. About a man who burns his thumb cooking a potato. True story. Maybe it could be something like <laughs> under the thumb. Right. <laughs> the, the, the revenge of the thumb. <laughs> Mr. Lobo, um, uh, again, thanks for joining us. We, we were talking about some Ed Wood stuff, and I noted something in your bio about the Church of Ed Wood. Is that a thing? Oh, yes. It's absolutely real. Uh, uh, it's very serious. It's a, it's a real legal religion. It was founded in 1996 by uh, Reverend Steve Galindo. Um, he, it started as a film school project, I believe, originally, and um, it just uh, it ended up kind of exploding. There are 3,000 baptized members uh, worldwide, or more, more than that, I'm sure now. Uh, I was heavily involved for a brief period of time because of, uh, I don't know if it was Ed Wood uh, or, or some other higher power, but uh, it just turned out that the founder of the Church of Ed Wood ended up moving to my hometown of Sacramento at the same time that I was showing late night horror films uh, on TV. And so we ended up doing a lot of live events. We presented, um, we did an event called Ed Woodstock, where we presented three bands and three of Ed Wood's films. Um, and uh, you had people baptized in buckets of film, and we had sa- uh, saucers on strings and people in costume and the whole thing. And, um, you know, Ed Wood was, uh, uh, I think the thing that, that we can learn from him as a person as his life, you know, if you look at him as a savior is that, uh, Ed Wood, um, was immune to criticism and he was accepting of, of a lot of strange people. <laughs> yeah. And I think that we could all be a little more like that. Um, you know, if we, could you imagine uh, how free you would be if you were immune to criticism? How free you would be if you were just completely 100% uh, uh, accepting of every weirdo. You know, I think that there's there's something beautiful about that. So let's um, let's let's change the topic a little bit because um, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I could talk about Ed Wood all night. I mean, we haven't even touched any of the other films that he's you know he's he did, and there's a bunch of them that are worth discussing. But we we. We do have a limited amount of time, and I wanted to ask you what you thought the introduction of VHS did to the whole horror movie culture. Um, I think the, the introduction of VHS did a few things, uh, both positive and negative. I think on, 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 on the negative side, I think that, uh, again, it was something that fragmented the market um, even more. Um, uh, and, and that, that was limiting in some ways, but the most beautiful thing about the, uh, VHS and the mom and pop video store and that experience of VHS is that if you've got two videos on a shelf, one is a four $40 million movie like Poltergeist and four inches to the left is a $40,000 movie like Puppet Master. And you could go home but depending on whether your hand went four inches to the right or to the left, you could go home with a $40,000 movie or a, 
a $40 million movie. And I think that that was a very level playing field. And it very it allowed people to find movies that they wouldn't normally see. And it also, they, there wasn't the criticism. You, know, you go on the Internet, you hear a thousand Rotten Tomatoes or people saying, oh, this sucks or this is stupid or this is bad or you shouldn't watch this or this is garbage or, you know, these are the five worst things about this movie. And in those days, you know, except for, you know, the mainstream movies, a lot of these movies never got reviews that you ever saw. And the only thing that would they, that would entice you was that packaging of that of uh, and the description of that VHS. And so I think um, you know uh, we would take things home and have a little stack and try it out. And, yeah, and I, I think I, that 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 I, to me was was what was great about that. And I think there's a, it goes a step further too because you didn't have any uh, knowledge about these films before you picked them off the shelf. It was the picture that basically did it for you. You were fully invested. You went home and you watched the thing from start to finish as opposed to now where we start watching a film if it doesn't grab us grab us in the first 5 minutes, you know, we we go we you know, we go back to the menu and pick the next film in in Netflix and uh um so you don't even have a film doesn't have an opportunity yeah. to tell its story. Right. I, you know, I, my friend uh, Chuck Francisco, who is the cult movie programmer at the Colonial Theater, where we have Blobfest, he calls that Netflix gridlock, where it's like, oh, well, I'm th- I don't think I'm going to like this, or oh, I don't know if I want to watch this right now. And you, it, it takes you two hours to watch a 90-minute movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the nice thing also about the whole VHS thing and the mom-pop places was you'd have Poltergeist there, and you could rent it for three ninety nine. but a lot of times, like you were saying, Puppet Master ne- next to it was usually like a 99-cent film, and I don't know if it was the same <laughs> the same where you are, but you know, you so you always thought, you're like, oh, well, you know, I'll, g- I'll get this one and that one, because hey, yeah, I'm already here, so, and so you'd grab them, and, and you would go home, you'd spend time watching those 99-cent films, and uh, so, yeah, I, it, it definitely opened up a whole uh, whole wide opening uh, for people to really check out those movies. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that now that the video stores have closed, they've become like the drive-in. You know, people have their wistful memories of their video store the same way the generation before had those wistful memories about the drive-in. And the drive-in had that democracy, too. You had your A movie and you had your B movie. And, you know, you, you might go to see the A movie, but the B movie's running, too, and you're still in your car and you don't want to go home. So you watch the B movie also. One of my favorite films, and you mentioned it earlier, is Night of the Living Dead, and I think that was a real game-changer when it came to horror. And it was another one that was made on a shoestring budget, and John Russo is a very good friend of mine, one of the gentlemen who was involved in writing it, and he was on our program um, at one point. Um, do you wonderful, see, wonderful man. Do, pardon me? Wonderful man, yeah. John Russo, wonderful yeah. man. Do you, see the same, do you see that film having the same effect as I just described uh, as far as how it affected horror in general? Oh, yeah, it was a complete game changer. It was a game changer just in the genre of zombie films. I mean, that was really like the beginning of that genre as we know it today. You know, zombie films before then were usually, um, you know, Haitian zombies or voodoo zombies. Um, you know, they weren't really um, the undead. You know, although in Plan 9, you know, they call uh, Tor Johnson the Walking Dead in that movie. Right. And there's and, also a um, film called Invisible you know, Invisible Invaders that almost has the same kind of. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Like I said, it, it, there was there were some precedents, but I think that the the Night of the Living Dead, the formula, especially as a survival horror film, right, uh, definitely created a whole genre. And and I think that um, you know 
I, I think for a lot of reasons it broke through. One, um, it, it seems so out of time, you know, because of the limited budget. They made it in black and white in 1969, you know, and and so that that kind of um, makes it seem classic just from the get-go. But at the same time, the, the material was so much stronger and so much scarier. You kind of felt like you were watching something you weren't supposed to be watching. Uh, and um, so I think that, you know, for me, uh, you know, uh, watching it at home, uh, you know, it, it, it had this sort of sceney feel to it, the almost documentary feel to it that made it seem more real. Yeah, if, they, if that, you know, the low budget, if they, if they had done the low that, budget really helped. Yeah. If they had done that in color, it would not have been the same film. Let's go to the phone lines. We have uh, Marie from Pennsylvania on the phone. Marie, welcome to beyond reality radio. Hi. Hey, this is my second time calling you guys. Oh, but um, actually, I was happy to get up, get on. And uh, Mr. Lobo, <laughs> remember those movies, um, especially with uh, Chiller? Remember Chiller? Chiller Theater out of New York, yeah. Oh, Chiller, sure, of course. Oh, mm-hmm. black and white they one. It was uh, one with this guy. Okay, I'll never forget it because it was, I was really young. And this this guy with a hat on, and he had sunglasses on. And he'd take him off, and he'd scare people, and his eyes would like like uh, go round and round, like um, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was really scary looking, and it was black and white though. And he, these people would faint, and he'd take these needles, and he and he drain their eyes with, with um, from the blood from their eyes. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and then you know what? And finally, the cops ca- caught him, but in the end of the, of the show is where they they like he like came back to life somehow. And then you see him like running in the background, and, and that was the end of that. And they're like, "Oh, what happened to him now? Was it was they going to show another episode? You know, <laughs> one of those kind of movies shows." Absolutely, you know? I think that's called the hands. I think that's called the hands in Orlack. I think that's the film that you're no. talking about. Perhaps. Yeah, this guy was all dressed in black. He had a hat on, and he and he and he had his squirrely eyes, like round and round. You know, like um. <laughs> Twirly eyes, you yeah, know. I mean, we, he just like memor- yeah, mesmerize people. I yeah, guess whatever. Yeah, every, uh, the, needles on the, the needles in the hands, the needles in the hands definitely ring a bell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, every They're once in a while. No, every, the needles in the eyes. Eyes, eyes. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah, he drained these people's eyes from the from the blood from their eyes. Wow. That you just, never seen that one? Uh, I'm drawing I, a blank. I, 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 yes, I have. I have. That that's that the most mean, scariest yeah. one I ever seen when I was younger, and I don't know why. And I don't know if they ever caught him again after. And that was on. They, that was on. That was on Chiller. Was that? Was that? Uh, where were, were you living in? Uh, were you living in New York? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Makes a lot of sense, Marie. Thanks for the call. We get. We're getting close to a break. We have to let you go. Um, before we let you go, Mr. Lobo, where can people get a hold of Plan Nine yeah. and find out more about what you're doing and see more of, of your work? Oh, uh, well, thank you very much, gentlemen. And I have to say quickly that you guys run a wonderful show. You guys do a great job. And uh, there's so many just terrible podcasters and everything out there. (laughs) And you you. guys are really sharp. You guys do a really tight show. And I really appreciate uh, the effort that you guys put in. Thank you. We hope that means Um, you'll come back on at some point, too. Absolutely, but I do. I do. I. I, uh, I am in the Plan Nine remake, which has just hit Walmart on DVD. Uh, we're in. We're in two thousand six hundred Walmart stores with Plan Nine, and you get to. You can see Mr. Lobo as Criswell, uh, and then I have my show Cinema Insomnia, which uh, uh, CinemaInsomnia dot com is the website. Uh, the channel that I'm on is streaming for Roku, and it's called OSI seventy four. And there's lots of weird stuff on there. Very misunderstood. 
Awesome. Mr. Lobo, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure having you on. Look forward to the day you come back, and uh, good luck with all your work. Yeah, have a great night. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, it's Beyond Reality Radio. We'll still, still take calls. If you want to give us a call in our last segment and let us know what uh, what was we were asking, what bad what movies you bad recommend. Movies. Yeah, give us some recommendations. Yeah. The number is 844-687-7669. Again, 844-687-7669. We need some recommendations on bad movies. Jay, you've been asking people to call in uh, with their recommendations. I tell you, the chat room has been full of recommendations. They're making know, their I've own movies. Them. And they're making their own movies in there. Well, I've been watching it. And, uh, and a lot of the movies that they brought up were great movies that I, I i hadn't thought about in years so I, I had to write down on my list as well like i saw some some people were talking about salem's lot well i gotta be honest that movie terrified me when i was a kid especially when they're at the dinner table and and it comes blasting through the window is that the one with the uh, david soul yes yeah yeah and and that was one of it, the first uh first uh, stephen king it, films we made a movie. it was terrifying yeah was and then also one. rosemary's baby oh, and, and i saw one. a bunch of them and yeah. uh, somebody had typed in earlier i think they typed it in wrong uh they were i think they were referring to the island of dr moreau yep yep remember that Which, one as well again and they did that remake wasn't val kilmer in the remake of it i think I you're think? right i think you're right i don't know i haven't seen the remake but let's bring doug in from missouri he wants to share a film with us doug welcome to beyond reality radio hi how you guys doing great good welcome to the show Oh, thank you very much. How about Troll 2? S- s- did you say Saw 2? Troll. Troll. Oh, Troll. 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 Troll 2. That was one of the, that's one of the best B-movie, bad B-movies uh, ever made. Um, it is comical in its presentation, and you're right. That That's one of the, that's one at the top of the list, right near Plan 9 from Outer Space, no doubt. Troll 2. I haven't, I haven't seen <laughs> it's an awesome one. And you know, the funny thing about that film is that it has nothing to do with the original Troll. There's actually no connection connection whatsoever. The original one was so beautifully filmed. I mean, the creatures looked fantastic. Yeah. And when I, went to see the, when I went to go see the second one, I was expecting more of the same. And you got these guys coming out wearing burlap bags <laughs> and mud on their faces. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's like, huh? That's a classic. That's a great one. Thanks for the recommendation, Doug. Thank we you. appreciate it. Yeah, have a great weekend. Okay, you let's too now. Let's go to Josh in Massachusetts. Josh, Josh has one for us. What's uh, What's on your mind, Josh? Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, so, uh, a few years ago on Netflix, they had Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, the turkey, the killer turkey. Oh yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I made it through the whole thing. I didn't, no I didn't, idea how I did it. I didn't see this. It was a killer turkey? <laughs> yeah, it's a turkey that's seeking revenge. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's epic. Terrible, like, rubber puppet turkey thing that could talk. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's bad. Man. It's 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 more. Um, it's almost. It's it's not even a good Muppet. I mean, it's just bad. No. Yeah. <laughs> see, I think I was always stuck to more was... more like the Leprechaun, Leprechaun movies, or uh, the Gin and things like that. Wishmaster, of course. But uh, what was the other one? Um, the Ginger Dead Man. Ginger Dead I, Man. I haven't yeah, seen that I think, one. I think Gary Busey was oh, in that. Man. Anything Gary Busey in, in, you're in for a ride, for was sure. It at, was it after the headshot? <laughs> I mean, after the motorcycle yeah. accident, Gary Busey? Oh, jeez. And he's, his face is, like, superimposed, like, on this walking, talking gingerbread man. <laughs> that sounds funny oh, enough right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, All right, I got to check that out. The, but um, on, like, a more serious, like, Watchable B side, um, the lost skeleton of Cadavera. I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's 
it's an homage to the old black and white sci-fi films. That's that's right. I, they I do remember a wonderful it. job. I remember it now. Yeah, like, that, that is a oh, fantastic it's homage. So good. Yeah, it's the lost skeleton yeah. of Cadavera. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'm gonna check. I, I, those, I'm writing this whole list. They also did though. like a Dark and Stormy Night and um, the Trail of the Screaming Forehead, um, <laughs> which is on Shutter. Oh man, the uh, oh, streaming God. horror site. Yep. yep, yep. Well, that's great stuff, Josh. Yeah. Thanks for the recommendations. We appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Okay, let's, uh, let's take Chris in Denver. Chris, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. Hi. Um, hey. hey, guys. Hey. I just hey. wanted welcome to let you know that um, I am keeping the dream of the bad horror films alive by uh, I co-produce and direct a stage version of Night of the Living Dead here in Denver. It's an annual production, and we've been running for nine years. Now. Wow! Now is this uh, is this affiliated really? with with Romero and John Russo's stage production? Is it the same one? It's uh, it's a stage production that I wrote actually. Oh, okay, I'm so the, it's different. It. It's and different. I, every okay. year I do a different theme, like urgent, urban legends or um, classic monsters or sci-fi, and so I kind of add a, a fun other bad movie element into it. Well, that's well, terrific. Make, well, make sure you stay on the line because Slick should get her. Yeah, her I was going to say. Because if you and I that. are ever out there, we got we to gotta make sure we head over Absolutely. and check this out. What time you do it around Halloween time? We do it the entire month of October, Friday and Saturday nights at this place called the Bug Theater, which is a great old vaudeville house that's haunted, by the way. Oh, you got to like that. Nice. All right. Like that. Yeah, Chris. Two, but, uh, two birds and one stone there. What? Yeah, I was going to say, don't hang up. But did you have something else you wanted to add? Oh, and I wanted to add that my litmus test for bad horror films for people who are aficionados is a terribly, deliciously, terribly film called Equinox. Ooh, I don't Equinox. think I know I've that heard, one. I've heard of that one though. I don't. I'm not sure what it what's what it's about. What oh, is it's it about? Got, it's <laughs> got um, some teenagers who are all drugged out, and they go to this sort of Bermuda Triangle type area in the woods and, and there's bad claymation in it and <laughs> and dinosaurs and and pentagrams and it's just it's delightful sounds like it's got a perfect recipe awesome. to be delightful yeah <laughs> chris hold stay on the line for us okay because we want to get some information from you all right okay all right thanks so much for the call wow um that that two hours went pretty quickly jay yeah well i've got a heck of a list here i've got all right so i've got zombie beaver zombie beaver Zomb- yeah, I'm sorry. Zombie Beaver. <laughs> I guess Zombie Beaver is probably another movie. Probably something completely different. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing now. Um, Dreaming Purple Neon from Todd. I got to check. I got to check that one out from Todd. We've got Rubber 2010. Yeah. I have to check that out. We're talking about this killer tire. That that just sounds. I'm anxious to know if you can actually make it through that one because oh. it's just a tire rolling around. <laughs> I, you've got Island of Terror from yeah. 1966 version. Troll 2, Thanks Killing, yeah. <laughs> Ginger Dead Man with Gary Beasley's face <laughs> on a gingerbread. <laughs> I mean, for that alone, oh that reason God, alone. <laughs> I'm just dying on that one. And of course, yeah, well, then you've got Lost Skeleton of Cadaver, yep. Cadavera, um, Equinox, and then, of course, a couple of good ones, Rosemary's Baby and Salem's Lot. But <laughs> Ginger Dead Man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I got to see that. I think I got to see that one first with Busey's face on it. That's the beauty of some of these. It's just you, all you can do is laugh. That's oh, what makes them awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep tonight. I'm going to be laughing. <laughs> I'm going to be having <laughs> dreams of that. Uh, but uh, definitely a big shout out to Mr. Lobo for coming on and, and hanging out with us and uh, spending that much time just talking about 
uh, the movies. And if you haven't yet, make sure you get over and like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash beyondrealityradio. Yeah, and uh, we were just talking during the break, and we're hoping to bring Mr. Lobo, be- Lobo back Halloween time-ish so we can talk about some bad movies again. I think Good that'd be great. Thanks for listening. It's Beyond Reality Paranormal. We'll see you next time.